Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel. And there is a lot to talk about uh, all over the place, really. But let's start with recruiting, more specifically, portal recruiting. Can one of you give us the rundown on what's happening there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, Jabbar Muhammad uh, is uh, visiting Oregon, I believe, as we speak right now. It looks like Muhammad is going to either go to Oregon or Alabama even at this point. I don't know that Texas is uh, completely out of it by any stretch, but I do think the horns are fading in this one. Uh, we'll see if it comes back around and, and uh, Texas decides to, to really push forward. Uh, but as of right now, I would get, I would give – Oregon, uh, the big lead uh, for Jabbar Muhammad, a uh, big-time player there uh, for uh, the Ducks, probably. What's interesting to me, guys, is Dan Lanning, the Oregon head coach, was actually in the state of Texas all day yesterday visiting various places. He was in San Antonio to visit with Michael Terry out of uh, Alamo Heights. He went to the basketball game of Jonah Williams out of Galveston Ball. Uh, yesterday. So he's been uh, down and around uh, the uh, state of Texas yesterday uh, while Jabbar Muhammad apparently uh, up in Oregon. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, the Ducks looking good on that recruitment, though, in my opinion. Hey, Bobby, is there a, a contingency plan? You know, if that does go the way of the Ducks, I mean, do you think they, they continue to look around or is it is it worth looking around? What do you think happens there? Well, I, 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 first of all, I think Texas saw Jabbar Muhammad as a luxury, not as a necessity. Uh, they've got two starting corners, uh, Terrence Brooks and Manny Muhammad. Uh, they got back uh, Jade Barron, who they're going to use at corner a little bit this year. They added Andrew Makuba. So, look, Jabbar Muhammad was seen as a luxury. Other teams may not seem as a luxury. And that's one of the things that I heard is that Texas would not guarantee Jabbar Muhammad a starting spot, Right. And so that that's part of the process. Uh, we got to figure that out uh, and see how, if that actually played into it. But that's my opinion. Uh, I'll also say that the 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 that kind of uh, thought process goes to the wayside if it's a true shutdown corner. So CJ, for example, yesterday on the message boards mentioned Will Johnson out of uh, Michigan. He's, he's probably the top corner in the country right now, and he's only a sophomore, and he's a he is a true shutdown corner. He's maybe the number first corner off the board in the NFL draft in 2025, okay? Jabbar Muhammad's not a shutdown corner. He's really good, but he's second team all, all Pac-12, not first team. I mean, there, there's a bunch of different categories in there, and so I don't think they're looking for a guy unless – it's a true difference maker type guy or someone that they had a previous connection with. And Jabbar Muhammad, they thought they had a previous connection with and made a run at. Uh, I really believe he's going to end up in Oregon or Alabama at this point. Again, I think he's more of a, uh, 
uh, more of a, uh, uh, luxury than anything else. Uh, somebody just asked about Takario Davis, the corner out of Arizona. Uh, CJ wrote this yesterday. Davis is in the portal. He's six foot four. He's probably a higher level rated player than Jabbar Muhammad, in my opinion. Um, he, however, has a no contact uh, uh, comment on his portals. So that means he he can't even be contacted by other teams. Uh, it looks like to us, uh, Oklahoma and Washington may be the teams to watch there. Uh, we'll see how that comes out. Well, that, that's some bad news, obviously, on the recruiting front for Texas when it comes to the portal, when they've been mostly successful. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can argue with that. But there was some other bad news that came out yesterday when it comes to recruiting. So let's just go ahead and get it all out of the way. CJ, what's the latest with Ryan Williams? Yeah, it is not looking likely that he will be making his official visit to Austin this weekend. Uh, that was obviously something of optimism for the Texas uh, staff. <clears throat> Excuse me, getting uh, Ryan Williams to campus was going to be something that Texas had hoped to do. They had yet to do it throughout the entire cycle, and yet we're sitting in that final grouping with Auburn and Alabama. Obviously, Texas A&M made a late push as well. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure from the in-state schools to keep Ryan Williams in uh, in the state of, of Alabama, obviously. Uh, had a long-time commitment to Alabama. Auburn's been pushing heavily as well with Hugh Freeze. Right now, even with the efforts of K.J. Lacey, it does not look like he will be making it to campus this weekend. There you go. Well, let's move on to some good news or some better, more positive news. Um, a lot of coaches on the road yesterday, some new offers out. I'm going to let y'all run down that for everybody. Yeah, Terry Joseph was actually out in Arizona. Uh, we, we know that he stopped at Der uh, Desert Edge actually out there, uh, the high school. They have a 2025 cornerback, uh, Jamal Beal uh, Gaines. Someone to keep an eye on right now, about six foot, two, uh, 180 pounds. But the kicker is, is he runs a, a 10 6 100 meter dash very fast. Uh, and so we, we've talked about Texas prioritizing athleticism and specifically speed. That's a guy to watch out in the West uh, West Coast. Is Arizona West Coast? But I, I know it's way out no, there. There's no, there's no coast. There's no ocean coast out there. Arizona. It's, it's on the West. So I know that's for sure. Uh, and then the other, other part of the country I wanted to hit on as well is Brandon Harris. He was down in Louisiana, so the bayou. Uh, he actually got stops at uh, University High. Uh, uh, Westgate, and uh, I got the other one right here. Other Catholic High School as well. Catholic High School is home to Blaine Bradford, 2026 uh, five-star defensive back. Someone that Texas actually got to host uh, this past weekend for the junior day. University Lab, you can look at 2025 uh, defensive back Jalen Golston as well as uh, Jakeem Stewart, who's also in this area out of St. Augustine where uh, Brandon Harris was able to stop by as well. So a lot going on. Texas is obviously uh, trying to recruit that LSU boot very, uh, very hard coming up and have had success in the in, in past uh, years. Brandon Harris, the other stop that, he, that I mentioned was Westgate. That's the former home of uh, five-star uh, safety Derek Williams and the current home of Jabori Anton, who uh, made it to campus this weekend as well. So a lot going on in the boot, and Brandon Harris is filling the role of what would have been that 10th uh, assistant right now for the defensive line, Brandon Harris is on the road again. And so it's making up for lost time right now. A great uh, pivot by Steve Sarkeesian. 
Uh, Bobby, then what's the latest on the defensive tackle coach update situation? I mean, situation. Uh, lots of speculation, lots of things flying around, and people are asking all over the place. So can you give them the rundown? Yeah, so here's here's what I've been able to learn over the last 24 hours. Rod Wright was a uh, target of Steve Sarkeesian's. Whether he was the guy or not, you still can't. I still can't say for sure. Uh, but Wright met with D'Amico Ryan's Texans head coach on Monday. In that meeting, it's my understanding that Rod Wright was told that he would they would like him to return to the Texans. On Tuesday, it came out that the Texans had parted ways with primary defensive line coach Ricky Cesare. Um, that leads the way for uh, Wright to get a promotion. However, it's my understanding that promotion is not promised at this point. And so given that unless he's actually moving up to full-time defensive line coach and going to get paid as such, I would think he, he would rather if offered to him, take the Texas job um, and be uh, a full-time the leading assistant coach on the defensive line. However, uh, let's see what happens here in the next 24 hours. I think Rod Wright right now is kind of passing either passing on the Texas job or getting promoted at the, for the Houston Texans. Boy, it's uh, confusing to say Texas and Texans uh, <laughs> separately like that. But the reality of it is I think they're back to the drawing board. I think Steve Sarkeesian's now making some phone calls, trying to figure out who and what he might want along the defensive line as coach. I do believe uh, that it's better to be uh, – I'll say this, and I Steve Sarkeesian's done a good job of being patient. I think it's better to get the right guy than get, than get someone quick. A lot of people want you in this day and age have all the answers right away. Well, sometimes coaches don't have all the answers right away or they have they have an idea of what they want the answer to be. And then they need to go out into the job market and look for it. That's where I think Steve Sarkeesian is right now. I don't feel like he felt like he had to have a definitive decision right away uh, to replace Bo Davis. He just he didn't feel that way at wide receivers coach. He's not going to feel that way at other places. He's going to go find the guys that he wants on his staff and that fit their culture. Um, I do know this. He's trying to, as good as Bo Davis is, by the way, as a developer of talent, Bo Davis was not a great recruiter at Texas. You know, put that in quotes, recruiter. They can upgrade recruiting at Texas. So keep that in mind and and, uh, let's watch and see what would happen there. Well, guys, a big win last night for the Texas basketball team. Uh, you know, they they went to Oklahoma and two in a row now on a little bit of a win streak. They defeat them 75 to 60. What are your what is y'all's thoughts on Texas rebounds? Pun intended. Yeah, five in a row uh, at Oklahoma. How about that? Did y'all know that? I mean, five wins in a row at Oklahoma. Uh, Sooners like basketball a little, you know. Uh, it's, it's been interesting. I think that the, you know, from what I took away from watching the game last night, guys, is Texas is starting to find a little something, uh, with Kendall Weaver. He's starting to play a little bit, get a little bit more time, especially in crunch time. They, they go a little bit smaller with him. Uh, they get another guy that can defend tight on the, and on the perimeter and also is a scrappy guy. Uh, I think that uh, I think they may have found a little something with him. Max Aismas, of course, went off. Uh, he is like a scoring machine. There's a reason that he he does what he does. But Dylan Disu down the stretch last night was terrific. Um, when he's hot, uh, he is in, an impressive, impressive player.
I mean, he was hot last night at the end of that game. Okay, well, plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. Obviously, we welcome them, all, welcome them all, and we'll get to as many as we can. We also have Coach Bob Shipley joining us here in just a little bit. But, Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Yeah, I appreciate that, Blake. Uh, Adam is one of our core sponsors here at, on Texas Football and Coffee and Football. We appreciate him very much. If you've been injured in a car wreck or uh, on or uh, motorcycle, truck wreck, what have you, Give Adam and his firm a call, 512-280-0800, or visit LoweyLawFirm.com. That's 512-280-0800. The thing about Adam is they will give you a free consultation, no strings attached. Uh, give him a shout. He's been helping injured Texans for more than two decades now right there in Austin, 512-280-0800. Thanks, Adam. And before we move on, fellas, I got to say, happy birthday to Bevo. <laughs> Texas football account just posted this uh, just moments ago. So apparently it is Bevo's birthday. So how about that? Well, happy birthday. That'll help a Wednesday go by a little bit smoother. That's pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take some questions here because we do have quite a few. And like I said, please get your questions in and we'll get to as many as we can. Um, let's go back to the Ryan Williams deal for a second because when y'all were talking about that, we did have lots of questions regarding that. Patrick Page wants to know, does Sark even still have an in-home with Williams scheduled like he did for Tuesday or is that pretty much done? It's over. Uh, that, I think that recruitment is over. Texas is uh, – A.J. Milway is going to see K.J. Lacey on Thursday, though. Um, and so a lot of people are saying, well, what does this mean about K.J. Lacey? Now he's going to Alabama, yada, yada. That's not the case. you got to remember, um, Texas and, and K.J. Lacey have been through this before about uh, where they're at, et cetera. The thing about K.J. Lacey uh, is there's no difference between the quarterback situation at Texas and Alabama – don't forget that just what just happened at uh, at Alabama this year, Kalen DeBoer took his red shirt freshman quarterback from Washington, okay, and, and had him come to Alabama. And they think very, very highly of him. They told Julian saying, go ahead and go if you're going to be like that. So my point being, they're not, they're not playing around. So I, I don't think that everybody's saying, oh, well, now he's going to go to Alabama because of their quarterback. So that, that's not happening. Um, and so Texas, now he could end up there after all said and done six months from now. But right now, K.J. Lacey's not looking to bolt from the University of Texas. I don't think he's going to make an official visit this weekend because he was hoping to come in with Ryan Williams. He'll be back probably in the next month or so. Okay, this next question here, CJ, this is a, a personal question for you from Coach 420. He wants to know, what barbecue spot did you hit up while you were in Lockhart? Yeah, Bobby told me I had to hit up the, the OG Blacks down there, and I did. It was great. I was I had a, about a two-hour window in which I had, to, I had to kill, and Blacks barbecue down there in Lockhart, it was, it was, it was tremendous. Terry Blacks. Yeah. Terry Blacks. Yeah. All right. And then Douglas Mayfield says, hey, guys, Keati Armstrong, the tight end from Jasper, looks like a beast for 2025. I'll get it right here in a second. Can you educate us more on his skill set? Yeah, obviously the teammate or former teammate of uh, current Texas linebacker Ty Anthony Smith. Uh, Keati Armstrong is one of the top tight ends in the state of Texas. Big body, big frame uh, is, is, is very good with the ball after uh, the catch as well. So that's Certainly what you hope to see with the tight end uh, at the high school level and the hopes that it translates 
to the college level. Uh, Kyoto Armstrong also very physical in the trenches as well. Uh, funny enough, Ty Anthony Smith is already in the ear of Kyoto Armstrong. Uh, after his visit to Texas, he uh, mentioned to reporters that he's, you know, been hearing from from Ty Anthony just about every day about why Texas should be the move for him and his recruitment. Uh, but one of the top tight ends in the state of Texas, in which we talked about Texas being deep at a lot of positions so far in the 2025 uh, cycle in state. Tight ends, another one when you add Nick Townsend uh, as well. So uh, Keandre Johnson out of Terrell adds into that mix as well. Uh, Keoti Armstrong, someone that Texas will continue to monitor, obviously had him on campus this past weekend. Uh, the the commitment of Emory Winston is one that might put a little pause in a, the pursuit of all these other tight ends, as I mentioned. However, uh, Keoti Armstrong up there in the conversation for the top in-state tight end in the state of Texas. Hi, guys. This next question I'm actually going to take off the OnTexasFootball.com message boards. And this question is from Too Broke to Pay Attention. He says, who do we think will be the next player to commit either via the portal or high school recruit? Boy, can I say uh, it's either going to be an offensive lineman or someone like Kelshawn Johnson down at Hitchcock. Those are, you know, offensive linemen tend to commit a little bit earlier, right? Uh, Get in the boat a little bit earlier. Uh, and then Johnson, Jerry Hamilton, our friend Jerry Hamilton, put in an RPM pick for him uh, on Monday. Uh, so I would say those are the two. I don't see another portal guy. If Muhammad passes, I don't see another portal guy until the spring, unless there's a, a, a change at Michigan and some things happen. Uh, but that, that's how that's that that part of the portal is kind of running dry at this point. Uh, we'll know more. I think the next portal period opens on April 15th, uh, but they will have another commitment here in the next week, two weeks, three weeks. Uh, Texas is just too hot a school right now. The question they, that I have for them is how do they want to go about this? I mean, Sark's done a good job of kind of playing this out and making sure they're getting the guys they want as opposed to just taking the next man up. Uh, that That's going to be an interesting dilemma for them because it's not one – Sark's always done a good job, and Billy Glasscock's always gonna, done a good job of managing. They don't want to go down that next rung. Well, they're still trying to figure out in 2025 at some level, not every level, but at some level, how good each player is, right? Because they're still growing into their bodies. They're getting bigger. They One of the great things about having a huge junior day like that, guys, is you get heights and weights in all these guys. Then they come back in June for official visits. They'll height and weight them again. If a guy's grown like Zena Umiozulu has grown an inch and a half in, in, you know, in six months, he's still growing, you know? And so you, you get to see a little bit of that. And that I think they, they want to play into that a little bit. There are some guys that they would take immediately, but you got to wait a little bit to, to have just better information. Uh, CJ, before we bring coach Shipley on, I'm going to give you a chance to call your shot. Who, who do you think, or maybe, you know, give a couple names of guys that you think may be the next domino to fall. Well, I know that, as Bobby mentioned, there's a lot of offensive linemen right now in which Texas is very much in the mix for. John Mills out of uh, California. Texas also hosted a pair of Bridgeland offensive tackles this past week as well with uh, Ryan Foji and and Jonte Newman. A lot going on. Lamont Rogers was back on campus. I think Texas is hoping to get Michael Fasusi back on campus sometime near the spring as well. So a lot going on there. Uh, we talked about Jordan Davison as well. I actually like Elijah Bo Barnes and the moves that Texas has made there. They've actually triple dipped 
on getting to see him in person. Johnny Nansen dropped by Skyline last uh, last week. Texas got him on the visit. And then, uh, over the weekend, obviously, Steve Sarkeesian got to see him earlier in this week as well. So a lot going on with him. I think Texas is looking to uh, be a little bit more aggressive at the linebacker position this year, as we saw uh, compared to the 2024 cycle. So he's a guy I'm keeping a very close eye on right now. But the guy that Bobby mentioned, Kelshawn Johnson, would be an absolute steal and a perfect fit for what Texas is adding right now out of the portal, getting him out of the high school ranks, a speedster that can make uh, magic happen out of nothing, basically with the ball in his hands, is exactly what Steve Sarkeesian is looking to add to his offense. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Well, without further ado, fellas, I'm going to bring in Coach Bob Shipley. And Coach Shipley, how are you doing this morning? Morning, guys. How are you all doing? You staying warm, Coach? Oh, yeah. Warm and dry. How did that? How did the freeze affect the ranch and all that stuff up there? That, that uh, bother your guys at all? You bet, man. I got we've got a pool out there. We had uh, actually, I let the propane run out of the tank that actually heats the, you know, the spa and the and and and, and keeps things running in case it gets too cold. And so I had a couple of pipes break. I have <laughs> haven't had have fixed and uh, you know some little things like that. But we made it through it all right. Hey, Coach, I, I had, had a question for you. Steve Sarkeesian's dealing with a little something I wanted to get your feedback on right now. Um, you know, uh, it looks like he was maybe identifying Rod Wright as the future defensive line coach at the University of Texas. Uh, Rod Wright had his postseason interview with D'Amico Ryans, the head coach of the Houston Texans. Um, and the Houston Texans have not renewed the contract of the lead defensive line coach, and now – are saying that Rod Wright may be the next defensive line coach at, at, for the Houston Texans. And so how, if you're a coach, and I'm, you've been through this before trying to fill out your staff, how important is it to get the right guy as opposed to get someone quick in these situations? Like a lot of fans are, are thinking, oh, we got to get somebody for recruiting right away to kind of stem this tide away from maybe LSU and Bo Davis or whoever they're competing against. What are your thoughts in that regard? Yeah, I think uh, you, you're you're better off waiting and uh, getting the right guy. Of course, I mean most of us would probably know that's true in a you know in a regular situation. Of course, we do get antsy because it it, it actually could affect short term recruiting, you know, to an extent. But the bottom line is, man, you get a guy in here quick. Well, that's cool, but then you're stuck with him, you know. And so you better you better wait and get who you want. And I, I'm just wondering. You know, if they're not waiting, I, I saw that and I wondered if Rod would be in line for that job. But I'm also kind of wondering if, uh, you know, they're they're slow playing this thing to see if 
there winds up being a move with Harbaugh and the Chargers, and then, you know, uh, LSU loses their coach to Michigan, which is a possible thing, as we we heard with the rumors. And I, I just wonder if if Bo's kind of got a thing with, you know, with Sark. I, you know, I, I have I've heard nothing. That's just me. That's my. Uh, you remember Barnaby Jones? That's my Barnaby Jones detective uh mind at work most people probably don't bar if what wasn't barnaby jones uh wasn't that the beverly hillbillies guy uh bud epson yeah yeah I mean, anyway that's that's my bud coming out in me i'm just wondering you know and i'm sure y'all have all wondered the same thing if they're not just slow playing that to see if if there winds up being a shakeup. oh i i don't think that will happen because i see uh you know, LSU continue to add people to their staff, and I just can't imagine them, you know, uh, continuing to add people to their staff if he's thinking that he may leave. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, then then again, we had Nick Saban interviewing people uh, for his open positions on his staff, and then three hours later, he he uh, uh, retires. That's uh, true. I think that the, the point that I would get at is, and this is something Matt Brown told me a long time ago about recruiting, you know, worry about the ones that you get, not the ones that you didn't get, because you have to live with them 365 days a year. Whereas at the very worst, the ones you don't get, you have to see four times in four years. Yeah. Right. And I have to say that, I mean, you, you, from a, from a coach's standpoint, that guy walks in the building every day and it's part of your culture. It's just a, it's an important hire in that, that regard. Yeah, it is. And as I've said before, I love Rod. Rod helped me um, a lot, you know, back in the season of 2013 when I was a defensive analyst. And, um, you know, he's, I, you know, I, I don't know that, I, I don't know how to say this. I, I just, I, I like, uh, you know, maybe a, a, an outgoing personality, somebody that's a little more aggressive, a little more, Bo, Bo was, you know, and, and, and I don't know. I probably should have said that, but I, you know, I just, I just feel like that uh, Rod is is very intellectual. He is a very serious, which is awesome. Um, very smart. Very. He's not kind of a in your face kind of guy like Bo was. I, that, that's that's what I'm trying to say. He's not. He just he just doesn't come across to me as somebody who's going to be you know, kind of fire and brimstone kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and, you know, and this thing about it, so some kids, you know, some kids respond to that kind of stuff. Some kids don't, you know, the key to me, a great coach is somebody who can figure out thir 13 ways to motivate 13 different players. You know, I mean, this certainly not one size fits all uh, great coaches are ones that know what, what lights a fire under each player, you know, my my sons are exact. You know, Jordan, you can get in his face, you can dog cuss him, f bomb him. It didn't matter. You know, he just Jackson. Nah, no. I mean, he just didn't respond to that. You know, he was he just that just wasn't his deal. You know, um, so everybody responds a little bit differently, and and I'm sure Rod would find his niche and do fine. But he's not Bo Davis. You know, he's not. Right. He's uh, personality wise, coaching style wise, he's not. He's not Bo. And not that Bo is the end all to defensive line coaching, but we just know that recently we've had some really good success with the development of our defensive linemen. So you'd like to get somebody maybe in here that's a little bit like him that has his style. I, I would I would think as a head coach, that's kind of what I would 
but you know, I, I know coach is just trying to get the, the best fit. And, you know, he's, he's obviously got something up his sleeve that he's working on. He's not just letting, letting days go by going, Oh yeah, I forgot. I got this guy to hire, you know, no, he's got a definite <laughs> plan. He's got a definite plan. And, and, and I think when it all works out, we'll go, Oh, okay. Yeah. It makes sense now. Yeah. I, I think, I think that people in hindsight, hindsight's 2020, right? I mean, that that's part of the the, the issue there. Hey, uh, coach, uh, you know we we talked about this uh, eight portal guys now uh, for the Longhorns. Maybe a little bit more than we thought they would do heading into the portal season. Um, we thought maybe four to six, right? But they've been hyper aggressive and added depth at uh, not only wide receiver. You saw the guys that they got at wide receiver, but defensive back, linebacker, defensive line. They've kind of reinforced every level of the defense to a degree. Um, they got a big, a big tight end that can run like a deer. Uh, any of any of those positions sticking out to you right now as ones that you're you're anxious to see? Well, I think obviously the defensive backs is is the one that I'm you know most interested in, as we probably all are, because that was, you know, that was kind of the chink in our armor, you know, this past season when it came down to it. Um, but I, I wonder sometimes how much of that is. Well, obviously, you know, we need guys that can go out and help us win a national championship right now. But, you know, you also have to look at high school recruiting and go, you know what, this is just not this is not a great class for DBs, you know, or it's not a great class for defensive linemen. I mean, I've seen that uh, defensive linemen are like, you know, they're they're the rare birds, man. That's got to, they're the hardest guys to find because they've got to be obviously very athletic. You know, they've got to have great feet. They've got to have strength. They've got to be aggressive, blah, blah, blah. There's so many things that go into those guys. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if, if the high school recruiting is, you know, sometimes we may have a great year for DBs. This may not be a good year for DBs. I, you know, I haven't really studied it that much. But, but with you know, to me, that's the position that stands out portal-wise that, you know, if we can, if we can land a cornerback, uh, preferably, uh, what, Muhammad? Yep. I think, I think he's going to end up at Oregon, it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like he might. The the Andrew McCuba uh, was a big ad, and then I think getting Jade Barron back was just yeah. big for the Longhorns yeah. too. I, I got a question for you on this: of those receivers that you've seen that are, that are coming in, was there one that kind of caught your eye and that you want to see? The Silas Bolden at Oregon State, uh, um, uh, Isaiah Bond from Alabama, Matthew Golden from Houston. I know you saw him catch a couple of touchdown passes yeah. against the Longhorns, or even Amari Nyblack, the tight end. Was there one that you said, ah, that one fits fits Sark really well? Or it was it the culminating or accumulation of them all? Yeah, I like I like them all. I, I like them all. Uh I mean, you gotta love the big play guys. I mean, you look at you look at the play that changed uh Alabama's season, you know, at the end of the uh, uh Auburn, Auburn game. game. Auburn game, yeah. That that was amazing. And you get a guy like that, you know, uh that's obviously doesn't just happen by chance. I mean, when you can step up and make a play like that, it's, it's that, that just blew my mind away. He's the one that I'm the most excited about, excited about, you know, I like the Oregon state guy. I think he's, I think he's going to be good. I don't know much about, uh, you know, the, the tight end. I, I don't know. I don't know much about him, but, um, he's going to have to be good to replace, uh, Sanders. That's for sure. Yep. Got it. Coach, uh, I, I love asking you recruiting questions. 
because you've seen it from so many angles. Uh, the, the one I wanted to kind of double up with here is Texas coming off their junior day. What's kind of the key from the staff, from a recruiting side of things, or from a recruit side of things, to keep that momentum going following the visit uh, this past weekend? How do, you, how do they keep that thing going with, with relationships and the development of just getting to know each other? Yeah, I, I think the first thing you do is you go back and you, you, you rehash the weekend with your staff and go, okay, what, what, what were your feelings on this guy? What vibe did you get from this guy? Is this guy a fit in our culture? And so then you kind of, you kind of reevaluate where you're at with all those guys and you just go through the board one by one in a staff meeting and you go, well, this guy's, you know, he was act like he didn't want to be here, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and you just, you just go through because when it comes down to it, you know, all those guys obviously are guys that we think have, have a chance to play for, so they wouldn't have been here. But but then when it comes down to it, it's amazing. You know, who who knows um, how a guy's really going to pan out once you get him. So uh, you've got to do the best evaluation that you can. And then, then you come back and you start fine-tuning the recruiting, which I think they probably did after the junior day was over with. You come back in and you hit all those guys and go, okay, let's uh, let's 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 push the heat on this guy let's back off on this guy i'm not sure if this guy was a fit or whatever but uh the ones that the ones that you feel like you zeroed in on that are going to be a good fit and you've kind of confirmed what you hoped then you go after the you, you you keep putting the you keep putting the pressure on those guys not pressure but you just you just keep uh building that relationship with them um i i think uh you know, I, I think you don't. You know, you don't want to come across too strong. It's you know, recruiting is really funny. I heard a I heard a story this weekend that uh, this past weekend I was I was checked with one of my one of my sources in Belton, and uh, you know when you know I'm like, okay, well, so so what happened on the recruiting of your receiver? You know, at Lake Belton, and and he's like, well, you know, he was supposed to go on his visit to Tech, his official visit to Tech, but he wanted to sneak in to UT one more time on on an unofficial. But he didn't want anybody to know he was there. They wanted low key, no hoopla. He doesn't. He's not one of those kind of guys that likes the fanfare. He doesn't like the, you know, all the attention and all that. He just wanted to sneak into town, and just one more unofficial visit before he took his official to tech. Well, it leaked out that he was at Texas, and that really ticked him off, especially his mom, I think. And so that uh, that that was my source's opinion on. You know, kind of, kind of. So, so you you never know. Some guys they love that, they want that. Other guys, other guys they they don't want that. So I think it's just like I said, going back and reassessing all these guys, seeing what you think, uh, you know, the strategy you need to take. And each in each one, obviously, is a different strategy. They're not all the same. So uh, I, I thought that was an interesting interesting take on what happened. I don't know if y'all had heard anything about that or not, but uh, with his recruiting, but I thought that was thought that was kind of interesting because usually the you know kids at 17 year old kid loves they love that attention you know but they didn't like it kind of ticked his mom off that's that's yeah, a story it's hard. here's here's what happened it's hard to keep things quiet when you're the number one receiver in the state you know yeah, they'll, that's they'll right. find that out no matter where they go but uh, it, it happens and and i do agree with you that each in each recruitment is individualized you could have an overall plan that fits just about everybody. Hey, we're going to show them the, the academics and we're going to feed them this way. But every single person has uh, a different thing that, that makes them tick. And 
that's why it's hard to throw just a, a mass blanket over everybody and say, well, they're they're going to like Texas because of this, this and this. Everybody, you know, everybody has their own little certain thing uh, that they that they enjoy. Uh, Coach, uh, you got any plans for the rest of this week? You and Rod Baber is going to get on football theory tomorrow. And talk right. about football. Yep, we're, it's on, baby. We're going to have a great show tomorrow. <laughs> Can't wait. All right, Coach. Thanks for your time, man. You be good. You have yeah, thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. Welcome. Coach. All right. Coach Bob Shipley, got to thank him for joining us. Always a good time for sure. Well, Bobby, before we move on, are you ready to let everybody out there know about Factor? I think I can if you want me to, uh, Blake. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Factor is a meal replacement plan, uh, ready-to-eat meal delivery that takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered straight to your door. With more than 35 meals to choose from per week, including keto, calorie-smart options, plus more than 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious flavor and uh, flavorful options to kickstart your New Year's resolutions. Uh, I gotta say this, I enjoy really their uh, lunches as much as anything, it allows me to, you know, heat it up and go uh, five minutes so is all it takes. They literally have the best chicken that I've, I've tried several of these meal replacement plans uh, because I've got a lot of stuff going on. I work at home nowadays. Uh, and so with that, I try to have something set up like that. Factor is perfect for that. Uh, they also offer loads of snack options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on the schedule. Uh, Factor has everything I need uh, for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats. In addition to ready meals, they also have those juices, smoothies, and energy bites as well. Overall, I just think it's a fantastic plan. You can go, you can change up your order each and every week, or you can go from four meals a week to 18. It all depends on you. Uh, Give them a call. Head to factormeals.com forward slash Texas 50 and use code Texas 50 to get 50% off. That's code Texas50 at factormeals.com slash Texas50 to get 50% off. Factormeals.com forward slash Texas50. Thank you for your sponsorship of On Texas Football. Okay, guys. Well, we're going to get back to some questions here. Um, Actually, let's take this one from Trace Crutchfield. This is a guy we haven't talked about in a while. Haven't heard anything about Alex Foster in a bit. Did his Baylor commit prove too strong? Well, I don't it certainly think so. doesn't help having a defensive line coach to recruit him. That's kind of been the biggest snag. Bo Davis departed for LSU. Things kind of went quiet on the Alex Foster front as a result. He did visit uh, right before National Signing Day, but it does not look like Texas will be uh, in too much of a contention there for Alex Foster to pry him from his Baylor commitment. Uh, he will sign in two weeks for uh, the, the the final uh, February Signing Day. I, I don't think Texas has been on him as a result of Bo Davis departing for LSU. And I want to be be clear, Texas didn't push for him prior to signing day either. Like they could have pushed him to try to make a decision earlier. Um, I, I think that that was one that Texas was waiting on to see what happened elsewhere. So keep that in mind too. Uh, Bobby, Javier wants some clarification from you. Javier asked, Bobby mentioned yesterday the number of high school players should be about 20. How does this affect the allocation of positions for high schoolers? Offensive line slash receivers. 
Can you explain to him a little more in depth? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, look, a general class would be one quarterback, one to two running backs, two to three wide receivers, three to four offensive linemen. Texas likes to go four, three to four defensive linemen, two to three linebackers, and three to four defensive backs. That leaves you roughly one to two extra that you can allocate elsewhere, is my understanding. And so that's kind of the the general number of expectations that they have. Um, I think that what, what gets lost here is like Texas went heavy in the defensive backfield this past year. I think they signed five, right? Um, they'll go low one the next year. Like the year Texas signed seven offensive linemen, the next year they went three, right, for an average of five. Then last year they went, what, four? So you'll get an average over time, especially if they have to have – big numbers at certain times. Texas lost six defensive backs, I believe, to the portal. So clearly they were going to push for more uh, incoming guys in the uh, in high school. So it, it all depends, Javier, how it kind of mixes and matches with what's going on in context. Uh, so you can't just look at any one year and say, okay, that's all it is, because it's actually a four-year or a five-year look at the roster that impacts those numbers. And then Kabir Hussein follows that up with, is there a roster limit or just a scholarship limit? You could supplement with NIL instead of giving a scholarship and stack players up that way. There is actually a, uh, a roster limit of 105, I believe. So it's 85 scholarship, 20, um, 20 uh, uh, non-scholarship guys. Um, and so those that actual non-scholarship guys, those, that can be competitive. Uh, for guys that are on campus that want to be part of the team, they'll tr- that's why there are tryouts, uh, so to speak. Um, and this rule came about not because of Texas, really, but because of Nebraska. Nebraska would have, back in the day in the 70s and 80s, after they instituted the 85 scholarship rule, Nebraska would have uh, used, would have, would have literally had 140 people on their roster, if allowed, because they had all those walk-ons from in-state. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. No, it was a different time. It was a different time. Uh, Texas used to have 100-plus scholarship guys, by the way, back under Daryl Royal. But then the NCAA came in and started instituting, because Texas wasn't the only one doing this. Um, they instituted scholarship limits that I think went from 100 to 95 to 90, down to 85. It's been at 85 since, I think, the mid-80s, maybe late 80s. Um, but the, the, the reality of it is, is that, Nebraska used to just basically invite the best football player from every high school in the state to walk on at Nebraska, <laughs> you know, and they would, I mean, they, they got, you know, seven or eight NFL players out of that, by the way. Uh, so it wasn't like it was fruitless for them. That, that, that really built up the depth on their roster. All right, y'all, we're going to go back to the ontexasfootball.com forums here. And now this question from K. John. What player are you most excited about seeing this football season for Texas? Maybe Isaiah Bond now that that coach coach got me kind of excited because he's right about that play that that Bond made against Auburn. Uh, You don't just make those. There's a lot of things that go into that. Um, But for me, it's going to be quarterback, and it's probably twofold. 
Uh, it's going to be uh, not only Quinn Ewers, but also Arch Manning. Just see where their progress is, because I do think as they go, Texas will go. I think Texas and, and Steve Sarkeesian has done a, a good job of putting the pieces around those guys, right? Yeah. And so as they go, I think Texas will go. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I actually want to go to the defensive side of the ball with Anthony Hill. I thought that what he showed as a true freshman was encouraging. We've talked about it. It felt like every tackle that he made, it was he made this season. It was his goal to throw somebody about six inches into the dirt and hope hope he stays there. So uh, an extra year of weight room and conditioning and just understanding the game of football at the college level is going to be uh, something that I think takes his game to a new level. And I mean, we've seen the five star talent and potential. I'm I'm hopeful he continues that and he's going to be that that guy in the middle of the of the defense next year. Well, let's piggyback off K. John's question. What freshman are you the most excited about seeing? Ooh, true freshman? Do you want to? Yeah, yeah true incoming, in incoming class, uh, true freshman. I it, it it was Ryan Wingo before all these portal additions. I think it still might be just because of what he brings to the table. You know, he's a guy that has 10'6", 10'7", speed at six foot two. I saw him in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl practices, and he was simply unguardable. So – uh, that I think he will find a way onto the field at points. So a, a tough thing to do for true freshmen, especially with the way that Texas has bolstered that receiving room. He was that guy for me uh, a, a few weeks ago. Uh, but I'm actually going to go back deep. Let's let's also go with Xavier Filsamy. I think that he'll find a way onto the field some way somehow. Great athleticism. He'll find a way onto the field to be an impact guy. Y'all are killing me. Y'all really are. Um, I think the what's shaping up to be the most important one, it, correct me if I'm wrong, it could be Alex January. Can he give you anything immediately is the question. Um, because if he can, then defensive tackle looks a little bit better. Um, but maybe the one that I'm most excited about, uh, I think, is is – Christian Clark. And I know this guy's been the guy that I've looked at forever and just thought he's, he's a little bit different than the other running backs Texas has. Uh, he makes more people miss, I think, than either Blue or um, uh, Cedric Baxter. Uh, but I don't, you know, that's a crowded room to make, to make a party to. So I, I, I think, I think that that's the one I'm, I'm actually interested in. I, I want to go back to your answer, though, CJ, of Ryan Wingo. Um, the final rankings came out yesterday uh, for the industry. Uh, the on-three industry rankings came out yesterday. They had uh, on-three ranked Ryan Wingo, the number 66 player in the country. When you went down to, to, to San Antonio, is that what you – I mean, where did you think he should rank around the country based on – the peers that you saw in that game. I mean, that that felt like it was by far the lowest of any ranking for Ryan Wingo, by the way. Yeah, um, it was far and away the, the the lowest for Ryan Wingo in terms of other uh, recruiting rankings from other uh, source uh, services in the industry. It, it, it wasn't, in my opinion, an accurate ranking. I thought that Ryan Wingo, whenever I saw him down in San Antonio, he was everything that was advertised and more. I thought that you were going to get a big body guy that can move. I didn't know that he was going to be able to separate from 
every <laughs> All-American defensive back that he was lined up against. That was the big, biggest question mark to me. Could he separate with his routes? I know that he's big, strong, and physical, but that doesn't always translate for uh, playmakers at the next level. You know, you have to have the nuances of running routes, of creating separation in ways that you didn't necessarily need to rely on at the high school ranks. He was able to do that, and he did it consistently to the point where he was, you know, in, in talks down in San Antonio as being the, the top wide receiver in attendance for the, the early practice session. So I, I didn't understand the fall. Uh, whenever I saw him in person, I was very impressed, almost to the point where I was like, maybe I was way too low on him coming in. So that was a little bit of a head scratcher to me. Yeah, I, I, I saw that, and that was the one that I circled. Um, as uh, This one doesn't make sense from a Texas perspective. Now, I don't, I don't do what I used to do and go out and watch every single player, et cetera. Uh, but that one was kind of a head scratcher uh, of all the new recruiting rankings that came out. Blake, why don't you show uh, folks where, where I bring up the, the Texas commitment list on yeah. on three, and let's show folks where they all ended up ranking um, in the industry uh, as well. Uh, because I think Colin Simmons ended up at number 11 yesterday. Uh, Brandon Baker was in the mid-20s or so. Is that right? Uh, in your opinion, like, oh, we can't, we can't see yeah, that. Yeah, give me one second here, Bobby. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll wait on you. There so, we go. Yeah, Let's just start see, at the top. Um, can't can hardly see that, but my point being that Texas end up with two true five stars in Simmons and Baker. In my opinion, I thought Wingo should have been one, and I'm not so sure that Simmons and uh, for my for my thought Simmons and Wingo weren't the two best players in the in the class now Baker looked I thought pretty good in the the Polynesian Bowl that we watched CJ together um I thought he looked like the the the, the guy that that uh, you'd want I just didn't know if he had that perfect size to be a first rounder but look at this I mean uh 66 at, at on three compared to 32 28 48 rivals had him down a little bit too so uh, it, it is what it is Xavier fills to me and the, and the Ended up ranked 43 overall in the in the industry. That's four top four, top 50 players. Go down a little bit more. Kobe Black exactly at number 50. So that's five top 50 players. That's one tenth of the country, right there. Jarrett Gibson 78. Wardell Mack. What did he come there in? Is, is yeah. real low. What's that? 171 right there is very low. Yep. And then ESPN has him as Wow. Yeah, ESPN has him as 33 overall and the number one running back. So quite the discrepancy between those. And then here we got Wardell Mack. Yeah, but see, their they're on three is really high on Wardell Mack um, in comparison to everybody else. And so I I don't think any one group is out to get anybody. A lot of people try. I mean, like I've been – I what's funny is I've been involved in the rankings on three of those four before. You know what I mean? I know – I've been at Rivals 24-7. I've seen what On3 does. I, I actually didn't rank any players at On3, but I know the fellas involved. Um, it, it, it's uh, interesting when there's always uh, there are there's always certain fans that think there's, there's some sort of conspiracy going on there. There's really not. They're just trying to, to do their job, just like everybody else. Yep. But I, I do think they got Ryan Ringo wrong. Yeah. All right, guys. So we are going to move. Well, actually, no, I want to go back for just a second. Because a lot of, when, when I asked that question about, you know, the freshman, true freshman, a lot of people said Colin Simmons. And I was, I really kind of thought that would be a name off, you know, what from one of y'all. 
But in your opinion, what is what is successful season for Colin Simmons look like stat wise, or you know, just his play on the field? I mean, what what we're here a year from now today, and you say, oh, Colin Simmons had a successful season because of blank. What is that blank? Getting into the rotation, yeah, and making two or three sacks. Yeah. I don't expect him to have like eight sacks next year, guys. Um, I, I think he needs to prove one that he's ready for college football. Okay, that that is a big step. I don't care. I mean, you can think everybody's ready to come play college football the minute they step on campus. It still has to be done. So that's one. And then you got to remember Trey Moore's coming in too. He's got what twenty two sacks in the last two years in college football. That's that's going to be. I mean, Ethan Burke has two years ahead of him. Baron Sorrell has three years ahead of him of development. Uh, Colin Simmons has some work to do in that category. I just want to see him, not unlike Derek Williams, not unlike maybe he could be a, a, an Anthony Hill where he actually starts affecting games since he's closer to the ball. Like Anthony Hill being close to the ball really helped him, I think, start affecting games. Um, we'll see. I what, what do you think about what's a successful year for him, CJ? I, I liked what you said, just scratch the rotation, you know, find a way to get on the field for 15 or 20 percent of the snaps that you see defensively. Uh, Texas, as you mentioned, is going to be having a, a, a pretty crowded room right there. You know, you can also toss in Jamon Tapp coming back to that room. You know, we hope to see a couple steps forward for Colton Vasek as well. So, you know, there's a lot of bodies that you're expecting to see improvement and development from uh, that will help. It's going to, you know, cloudy up the room and, and path for Colin Simmons to see the field. But if he is able to get on the field as early and often as we are hoping and as his, you know, ranking would indicate, you know, get to the backfield. Just show me a flash or two, you know, whenever on the field that I can say, okay, I see why he was rated as, as highly as he was. And I think if he's given that opportunity, you'll see it. Uh, how often? I'm not sure. But scratching this the, the rotation in a 15 to 20 – a percent uh, snap count would be a successful freshman year for me. One other prospect I wanted to pick y'all's brain on, Santana Wilson. Ryan Nelson says Santana is the gem of the class. Obviously, we all saw him in the Polynesian Bowl. But look at this. On three, has him as the 90 player overall. None of the other recruiting services have him in their top whatever. What are y'all's thoughts on him, and what did y'all think about his play from the Polynesian Bowl? Hard to tell in the Polynesian Bowl. Um, they the the passing game in that it, it was non-existent essentially uh, for both sides. <laughs> they, they, they did not have like quarterback play. Um, uh, Santana Wilson um, is a little slight build, runs pretty well, um, but understands coverage exceedingly well. Um, and so one of the things that Rod always talks about, and that I love when when he does. He talks about having a high football IQ and how that can make you a better player. I don't think there's any question that Santana Wilson is going to have a high football IQ. You could, I mean, he was passing people off very easily um, when they went. I, I was, I was impressed with him, but not from the Uber athletic standpoint. Like he was on a, a field of other Uber athletic guys, right. In this all American game. It wasn't that he just, felt like he was under control the whole game. So do I expect him to be a first round draft pick? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't peg him as that. Do I expect him to be 
a good player for the University of Texas, yes, I do expect that. Yeah. I'm with you. I think that goes into his father, Adrian, obviously having yep. been in the NFL and around the game as long as – that was what we expected to see. And I think you saw it right away whenever he stepped on the field. The coverages, the passing off, uh, the transitioning between where he should have been on the field and where he needed to be on the field. He understood that at times. Uh, encouraging. And for defensive backs, if you can understand and di uh, diagnose route patterns faster, that just goes to – to help your chances of creating turnovers and getting hands on passes. So that's something that I think is a big time positive for Santana Wilson. And hopefully that will continue once he gets to campus and gets acclimated to the speed of the game. Hi, Bobby. You mentioned Alex January earlier. That brought up some questions. So we're going to take some of those. This first one from Emmanuel Villafranco. He says, January has the size, but does he have the strength? I know y'all reported this was the first year he uh, solely focused on football. I think that's fair. That's a, that's the question, right? Um, you know, I, I liked him as a senior more than I did as a junior, which shouldn't be surprising because you want to see these guys in, in year over year. He had a little bit bigger uptick than maybe what was expected from folks. Right, CJ? Like some guys go from, oh, they're a B plus, they go to an A or an A minus, et cetera. He went from maybe a B minus expectation to those low mid A's. That's a little bit more of a jump than people expected. So um, I will say that, that uh, you know, his work in the weight room is going to be important. He's not, a, he's not a weak player by any stretch. It's just when you get year over year over year of weight training at that position, you put on a different caliber of strength. It's just, I mean, look, Brian, Byron Murphy was as ready to, to go at Texas as anybody. Okay. He really was. I mean, he came in, he had 60 hours of college credit. He was already benching his max. He was, he was at college weights when he came in all this stuff, right? Well, he still had ways to go, right? He still had to add more weight. He, he had to become the best version of himself. The only player I've ever seen at Texas that came in ready to go at defensive tackle was Casey Hampton. Now, Casey Hampton was bench pressing 405 pounds as a high school sophomore. So there, there's just a different level, right? I mean, Alex January, I promise you, was not doing that. So there, there is the rare bird that can. What I meant earlier when I was talking about him potentially being a surprise of the class or somebody I wanted to see, man, there, I still look at the nose tackle position, and they need snaps right now. They need quality snaps. If Alex January, Sadir Mitchell, whoever, can give them quality snaps that they're maybe not fully expecting, that's huge. And that's why I was hopeful that I want to see Alex January. I'm glad you mentioned Sadir Mitchell because Champ Bailey 3 says, Bobby, what does he need to do in order for him to be a guy you consider making an impact next season? Everybody on, in the building agrees on one thing. Enormously talented. Enormously talented. Is Sadir going to get that out of himself is the question. And so if I if I'm sitting here, I'm saying, okay, Sadir, let, let's be more attentive to the, the nuances of the game. Let's really work hard in the offseason and take football seriously. If that young man takes football seriously, 
and works as hard as possible, he's going to be making so much money for 10 plus years in the NFL, he won't be able to count at all. I mean, he's that talented. But, you know, it's a big step going from uh, private school football in New Jersey to the University of Texas to actually being counted on at the University of Texas. He's got to go from just being at Texas to being counted on at Texas. And that's a mental step as much as it is physical sometimes. Well, before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm one more time. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, Adam is a friend of the program. Thank you, Adam, for your sponsorship. Adam and his group have been helping injured Texans for a couple of decades. If you've been injured in a car wreck, uh, truck wreck, motorcycle accidents too, uh, give Adam and his group a call. 512-280-0080. I think Bobby froze on us, CJ. I thought it was me again. <laughs> we, so zero eight zero zero. I'll finish that out for Bobby here until he comes back. We want to thank Adam and the Lowy Law Firm for sponsoring every Wednesday right here on Coffee and Football. And it looks like Bobby is back. So I finished it up for you, Bobby. Thanks, Tell Adam. Thank you. I don't know what <laughs> happened there, guys. <laughs> CJ thought it was him. I thought it was me. And then I saw CJ's head move and I was like, okay, it's neither one of us. It's <laughs> yeah, Bobby. So. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we were in the clear on that one. All right. Well, we got time for a few more questions. So let's uh let's take a few. And this one from Viva Lorient. Who's gonna be the starting three going into this season at wide receiver now? This is a tough question, in my opinion, because there are a lot of just talent so much talent now and that wasn't the case a month ago yeah before silas bolden joined the group i was pretty dead set on bolden or uh, golden bond and uh jonte cook that was the trio that i saw silas bolden adds a question mark to me because of the production that he brings to the table he had almost 800 yards last year with five touchdowns you saw what he could do with the ball in his hands I don't know how he can impact the game without the ball in his hands yet, which leads me to believe that he might be on the outside looking in. But again, I look at that production, I say it's hard to not see a pretty significant role for him. So I don't know. I I don't know. You're, I don't know. Right. Who... I, I, if, if, if this is the reality of it, I, I wrote down three guys and I put, I put Jonte Cook, Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond. There are two players that I would add to this that I I put a question mark next to. Ryan Wingo, how well does he perform in the spring? Because remember, he's here for the spring. Okay? Um, Silas Bolden doesn't get here until summer. Is he ready to go in the offense that quickly? Or is he more of a boutique player right out of the gate? Right, Right, CJ? Yeah. I think the odds are Jonte, Matthew Golden, and Isaiah Bond, but I would put those at like 65 to 70% odds, not like at 85 or 90. Last year, I could have told you 95% odds, A.D. Mitchell, uh, Xavier Worthy, and Jordan Whittington. This is more like 60 to 65% odds of what, what, the, what the starting lineup will be. Uh, we're going to jump over to the super chat from Football Junkie. We were talking about Anthony Hill and Colin Simmons a minute ago. We're going to go back to that for just a second. And thank you, Football Junkie. He says, hey, guys, how does Hill and Simmons compare as far as size, speed, and strength? I saw Hill after the Big 12 championship game, and he's pretty big. 
Hill is pretty big. You know, he, that was one of the big things that was most impressive about him is uh, I actually saw him run a four six seven laser forty as a junior in high school at their uh, their their little like summer uh, max day or spring maximum day that they had over at Denton Ryan. Uh, he did that at six three two twenty seven, and that was going into his senior year. So uh, Hill is a big dude. Uh, we like him, obviously, as a linebacker. Colin Simmons is a little bit more wiry. He has a frame in which he can build and add a little bit more muscle to. Uh, Hill's still working off some of that baby fat that we've talked about. He's still got some the, – the chubby cheeks, if you will, that indicates that he could still kind of fill out his body a little bit. Uh, they aren't too far off similar uh, uh, phys- physically-wise. Simmons is just a little bit more wiry, and as a result, you can add more to his frame – Right now, I think Hill is a little bit closer to being maxed out. He just obviously has room to being uh, reshaped a little bit uh, from the weight room. But uh, I, again, it's it's all about getting Simmons off the edge, and that bend and athleticism will be what separates him at the next level. This is what I wrote. Hey, CJ, see, tell me if you agree with this. I, I wrote Hill is more powerful, like through the hips. I mean, he's just a straightforward power guy. And Simmons, to use your term, he's more bendy, more slithery, if that makes sense. And yet still has the requisite length, et cetera. Like they're both – one of the things that I – we talked about this, and I, I they're both long-armed guys for their positions, right? That's something that Texas is really recruiting on defense right now is length. Yeah. You can see it immediately in the 2025 class. Anthony yes. Williams, Lance Jackson, I mean – I, I got to see Anthony Williams for the first time in person this weekend, and I was thinking 6'3 might be a little low. He's every bit of it. And, and length. The arms go forever. I mean, and so I, I think that that's one thing Texas is looking at, and uh, I think it'll help. I, yep. I think long-term it'll help. Those guys tend to get drafted higher, that's for sure. Absolutely. Okay, let's take a few more questions here. Um, Naaman Roberts says, hey, guys, does Texas have any guys that are sub 4-4 in the 40 in the secondary coming in? We talked about it the other day on the offensive side of the ball, but we didn't on the defensive. Uh, SEC receivers are track speedsters. So who's the fastest that's coming in on the defensive side? Well, sub 4-4 is pretty incredible for a high school kid. Uh, You want to see your – your, your commitments, you know, your fast guys that you're recruiting anywhere in the 10-5 to 10-6 range, anything below that is something that uh, you might want to consider signing up for track for. Uh, but Xavier Philsamy is a 10-5 guy. JJR, Jordan Johnson-Rubel uh, ran 10-5 or 10-6, I believe, as a sophomore. He didn't have a track program at IMG, so we didn't necessarily get to see uh, the most recent updated track times for him, unfortunately. But those are the two guys that I point to right away as probably the fastest of the bunch. We talk about Wardell Mack and Santana Wilson, and it's more the length, uh, the, the physical wiry build in which they both bring to the table as true strengths on the outside. Uh, JJR and, and Xavier Filsamy in the middle of that defense are bringing speed and, uh, at least for Filsamy's sake, a very impressive physical build, uh, uh, physically imposing, I would add, uh, more so than JJR. But those two guys are the guys that I look for to say, all right, 10-5, 10-6, that's kind of the range in which I would expect them to run if they hopped on the track today. Okay, then this next question here. Um, let's take this one from Isaiah Stewart. Who's our biggest threat or threats in recruiting in-state talent? I'm not surprised with Lanning having an extended stay in Texas. 
obviously well, something that Oregon. I think it's I, I think it's LSU and AM, obviously, and OU. Those those three, if you want to take those three out of the equation and then talk about it, but LSU, OU, and AM will all recruit it like it's their home state, even if it's not. So um in the case of LSU and o, OU. So take those three SEC contenders out of it. Um, man, I would have said I would have said Alabama with Nick Saban, but I'm going to go Georgia. I mean, I mean, they got two really good players, at least two really good players from Texas last year, <clears throat> in the duo from Conroe Oak Ridge, two top fifty players in the country. In fact, mm-hmm. um, Will Muschamp, those guys are doing a good job in the state of Texas. They're 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 hand picking a couple of guys. And and they're top tier guys, and so while while teams like I don't know Tennessee or Oregon or Notre Dame or Michigan, or Ohio State's a good example too. They've been a little bit of a thorn in the side with Devin yep. Sanchez, maybe Dorian Brew as well. Um, I think it's Georgia that kind of still them coming in and just cherry picking one or two can have a really poor effect because Texas could have used. Justin Williams at linebacker and Joseph Jonah Ajanye at defensive line this past recruiting class. They really could have. And Texas probably would have finished second for both, but both went to Georgia. Yeah, I think that's a good one. My pick was going to be Ohio State, but I think that the more SEC proximity that we've seen recently with Georgia probably gives them the, the edge there. Hey, while we're talking about other schools, I ran across this graphic earlier. Um and I was, I, I never, I mean, this is crazy to me. He says college football viewership is highly concentrated amongst its top brands. In Nielsen rated games from 16 to 23, over half of total viewers are linked to just teen teams. Are y'all surprised by that? No. No. Is that not why? I mean, that's a, that you can see those 18 right there, how many millions there are. And then look at the drop off. So, so I, a lot of people that may or may not know this, but I help, run and operate uh, rivals.com and 247sports.com and those schools right there are the ones also that had this highest number of subscribers to their websites they're the exact ones michigan ohio state uh penn state in the in the sec texas ou in the big 12 uh alabama auburn florida georgia etc in uh, in um in the sec along with lsu it's just in Tennessee. Those are the same ones. SC in Oregon and Washington out west. It's that it's that same group. Um, I'm surprised. I tell you what, I'm surprised by there. One is Wisconsin. Yeah. I was that surprised group, by that that's a the too. outlier to me. Yeah, that that to me was uh, amongst this bunch. That was the one that I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, good for Wisconsin. But yeah, um, no, that that looks perfectly normal to me. Uh, the, the other schools that teams want to watch that normally and annually have the biggest impact on the biggest bowl games, uh, the national championship. This is the bunch. Uh, it is kind of surprising that the, the bottom 10%, you know, comes from 71 teams. I think you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a lot, but yeah, no, I mean, usually there's this, there's this, there's this uh, idea of a long tail being valuable. Um, like the 80, 20 rule where the 20%, I mean, but that that means the long tail is not very valuable in college football. It's it's concentrated at the very top. <laughs> the chat, a lot of chat 
uh, saying no A&M and yeah, no A&M, no Arkansas. Uh, you know, so there are a few schools that are definitely off that list there. I can't imagine though, that they would be too far behind, but maybe I'm wrong. What, what's interesting is the one school that would be added to that if it were just this year is Colorado. Yes. Uh, because, you know, right. It's not because of their, it's not because they're actually endemic audience <laughs> that people are big Colorado fans. It's that Dion brought people to the yard, <laughs> yeah. you know, and brought, made them a very, very viewable. Uh, not unlike Oregon, by the way, Oregon doesn't have some huge fan base. They have a good fan base. But Outson's Outson Stadium is not a hundred thousand people, guys. Yeah. But those the the Nike uniforms, all that stuff. Even though it doesn't appeal to a lot of Texas fans, it does appeal to a lot of fans nationally, and they've kind of built up their audience that way. Hey, Bobby, to your point about Colorado, they had six of the most watched twenty of the top twenty games this season. For comparison's sake, Texas only had three. Yeah. No, I know. No. I mean it's. It's it, it was a phenomenon uh, early in the season, and then their season went sideways. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah and so we'll see what they have, what they do for an encore uh, here. Uh, I also interested to see if they can continue to bring in uh, players that that will get them to that next level. Uh, they are going to move into a what I think is a tougher conference uh, this year in the Big Twelve uh, that will be more ready for them too. I don't think anybody's going to take. I don't think anybody, anybody in preseason, other than perhaps Colorado State, circled Colorado and said, we got to be ready for the Buffalo yeah. this year. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. everybody kind of took them lightly, uh, except Colorado State. That's not going to be the case this year. So we'll see how Dion and his new offensive coordinator does. For sure. All right. Well, this will be the last question for today, and it comes from Jesse D. He says, what about the lineup for running back? I feel like the wide receivers have taken the spotlight from an a from a needed run game in the SEC. Well, it certainly has taken the spotlight because you've added, you know, four <laughs> pass catchers, basically. I mean, it's been a complete revamping of the room. I think the Texas running back room is in very good hands. I look at C.J. Baxter as the running back one heading into the spring. Jaden Blue is that guy right behind him kind of nipping at his at his heels to get more carries. Obviously, any time it felt like that he got the ball uh, for an extended amount of snaps during a season or during a game last year, he was able to make an explosive play happen more times than not. So uh, I, I like that little change of pace there, C.J. Baxter. If he's able to kind of reshape his body in a positive way, you know, add some muscle and some, some armor, of, as we kept uh, referring to it as, I think he's in for a big year, a big leap from his freshman year where it felt like he was always kind of dealing with a little a little something. You know, I'm not sure we ever saw him 100% following week one. So I think it'll be C.J. Baxter and then Jaden Blue. Uh, after that, it's a basically a toss-up between whether or not Savion Red makes that leap into a rotation or you go with one of the freshmen or even Trey Wisner. Yeah, I, I think it's Baxter and Blue as well. I don't think there's an eye off the ball, by the way, here for Texas. I mean, they're recruiting the, the, the position like gangbusters. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it other than that. I mean, they had Jordan Davison in, uh, one of the top running backs in the country out of modern day this past weekend. Um, look, I the one that that is – so I'm very interested to see what Christian Clark does this year. Very interested to see what Jarrett Gibson does. But the one that I circle that is kind of the X factor is Trey Wisner. 
Um, the he I, don't. I'm not saying he's the next Jamal Charles. Okay, but if y'all have seen anybody else run like Jamal Charles since we've been following Texas football post Jamal Charles, it's Trey Wisner. That's what Jamal looked like early in his career. Okay, Jamal was able to keep going, and Jamal had even more speed. Um, but he's just an interesting player to me. Um, and uh, I, the one that I, I kind of circle and say I don't know what he is yet is Savion Red. Uh, to to y'all's point, I mean, is he a running back? Is he a receiver? Is he a tweener? Is he Keelan Robinson without the speed? I I don't know. Hi, right, Bobby. Well, before we get out of here, can you let folks know what they can expect later today, right here on On Texas Football? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll be following a bunch of news as far as the uh, defensive line coach is concerned, on uh, as well as uh, other recruiting news. Co- Texas coaches out and about all over the place today. Uh, across the country. Sark was in California yesterday. Uh, they're just, they're everywhere right now trying to, you know, see and double check on some of these guys that were in this weekend, as well as seeing some new guys out there. CJ mentioned about the young man out of uh, Desert Edge and, and Phoenix uh, earlier. They're out and about. So we're going to be uh, monitoring that uh, on texasfootball.com. We'll be covering that. Also, we have uh, the state of the program, myself and Rod Babers. And then tonight we have a live stream, CJ, Rod, uh, as well as uh, Ray Peters is the host. So hopefully you guys can join us for one of those or watch and uh, join us on the message board, guys. Feel free to start comments, make comments, ask questions, uh, make it your home away from home on texasfootball.com. It's free to join uh, there for you guys uh, to enjoy. hope you can uh, come about and uh, hang out with us some. For sure. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Coffee and Football presented by Adam and the Lowy Law Firm. We want to thank Adam and his law firm along with Factor for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. Be sure to hit that like button and subscribe if you haven't already and then ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time we post a video or that we go live. And that way you don't miss any breaking news. And then as Bobby said, head on over to ontexasfootball.com to get the rest of your Longhorn fix. So, For Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Happy Wednesday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.